Welcome or welcome back to Tea and Tangents with Tara. On today's episode, I want to talk about femininity. So the essence of being feminine and how that's really developed over the teenage years of my life. So I recently turned 19 and since then I've been reflecting a lot on how I see myself as a woman because this is my last year of teenagehood. For many people it might seem insignificant but to me it's everything um, because this really is meant to be a year of growth and reflection. So my view of myself as a feminine woman has really developed because at early teenage years I really embraced the idea of being a little masculine, having some mess or my perception of what masculinity looks like. So I still to this day love wearing suits, especially to a business attire type things. I prefer suits over dresses in, in that type of setting. Or even with keeping my eyebrows like a little bit messier, like a little bit more boyish, um, wearing a lot of like those collared t-shirts, those striped t-shirts, get, getting men's t-shirts. Um, and everyone in my life was totally, you know, not against that at all. Sometimes my mom would be like, what are you wearing? But I was never told to dress more feminine or not just masculine. And then it kind of just bounced back between that, like when it came to fashion. So I would bounce between loving dresses and then wanting to wear a suit. And mom was really supportive. She took me to get my first suit and to get it tailored. And I feel like it's common for all women to wear pantsuits, especially in the business world. Hillary Clinton set the bar, <laughs> but it's also a bit masculine. So love me my power suit. As I turned 16 was when I really feel like was the turning point of being a feminine woman because I had my sweet 16, which was a huge thing. I was a little impartial to the whole event. Like I wasn't really involved in the planning process or anything like that. Um, But having my Sweet 16 is when I was allowed to do certain things that I saw as more feminine. I was allowed to get my second piercing, which was a big thing for me. Right now I have three on each ear. But my second piercing was a big thing for me because I felt so restricted in my bodily autonomy that being able to make the choice to get my second piercing, although it did require approval, I, as it does at that age, I felt really empowered to make my own choices about my own body. Um, at that age, I was kind of expected to be clean-shaven, of course, like armpits, legs, all of that. But in my younger years, like for example, when I was like 12, that was the first time that I had ever shaved. So basically, story time, I was not allowed to shave like for the longest time. And I understand this actually, and I think... It was for the better um, because my mom didn't want us to like get into shaving too young. I, it could have been, I'm not sure why, but it could have been for safety because giving an 11-year-old a razor is not always the best idea. And it also could have just been she didn't want us to grow up too fast because that's what she perceived as us growing up. So when I was 12, I had hairy armpits. I had hairy armpits and I didn't want to shave them. I was like, you know what? If I'm not allowed to shave, I'm going to refuse to shave them. I'm going to make it my choice. So it was my cousin's wedding and I was a junior bridesmaid with my sisters 
and my I lifted up my arms. It was like a sleeveless type dress. My mom gasped. She was like, Tara, you cannot go to the wedding with those armpits. I'm already dressed. My hair is done. My makeup is done. And my mom was like, you need to shave. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not shaving. I was like, joke's on you because now I don't want to shave. But she grabbed my armpit. She lifted up my arm and she just shaved. She was like, too bad. (laughs) She was like, you're not going to the wedding like this. And if I had looked back on pictures with me with long armpit hair, I would not have appreciated the pictures. But I, I really would have liked to have made that choice in my own time. Hey guys, this is editing Tara just jumping in, but I just wanted to add that a huge part of me not wanting to shave when it came to start shaving was also that I believed, and it is true, that razor companies push shaving legs as like a norm to sell razors. Uh, In like the 20th century, the early 20th century, women didn't really shave. Like women didn't really shave their legs or armpit hair in the Western world. So it it was mostly left for actresses or dancers, but like basically I had read about this and I also had read that razor companies were not selling enough razors in the like 1910s. So they just started advertising like armpit hair and leg hair as this adverse thing that uh, people shouldn't want on women. So that's why... I also was incentivized to not want to shave because I felt like it was almost like an anti-capitalist thing. Again, a lot of my feelings and beliefs as a young person were influenced by like me wanting to embody my feminism, like anti-capitalist values. And I know that sounds like a lot for like a 12 year old, but I was doing a lot of reading and a lot of research on this. So it definitely did influence how I was acting and how I still act to this day because I still keep a very like laxed shaving regimen like I'm not too like I I keep it I keep it neat I keep it neat I keep it at that but realizing as a young person how much capitalism and marketing plays into women's beauty standards definitely influenced the way that I wanted to be a woman so it embraced the way that I wanted to wear makeup or how often I wanted to shave because I was almost hyper aware of how marketing influenced beauty standards and I really didn't want to succumb to that. At the same time, I was also battling with the whole coming of age and like that typical like becoming a teenager experience of uh, discovering like what you like and what you don't like with what you wear. So yeah. <laughs> I shaved my legs for the first time when I was 15, and it was my friend's sweet 16, and at that point, my legs weren't crazy hairy. It was just, like, I had never shaved my legs before, so they were just, like, I feel like a normal hairy, you know? Like, there was hair. Um, But I made the decision myself, and I did, like, ask for help with shaving because I never shaved my legs before, so that went smoothly. Like, I was excited about it. It was, it was, it was a moment, but... In those instances, I felt like my femininity was really controlled by other people. Like, I didn't really have choices on when I wanted to be a feminine woman or when I wanted to make choices that either were more masculine or feminine. And some listeners might be thinking, okay, well, what is feminine and what is masculine? And obviously, there has been a very 
like, big push by societal norms of this, like, binary feminine and masculine. I honestly don't think everything necessarily fits into feminine or masculine, but this is about my experience and my experience with womanhood. So take it as you will, and keep in mind that everyone's experience with being a woman is completely different, so don't take my word as a tell-all. Um, so back to my sweet 16. My sweet 16 was the first time that I was allowed to get my eyebrows done. <laughs> so with this, I I wanted to get my eyebrows done. It really wasn't something that I wanted to like, you know, be like, oh, I don't want my eyebrows done. I had a unibrow. And if you know me and, and you've seen me, I, I had a unibrow. It was there. It was apparent. And I had no problem with the unibrow. I just really wanted to have two eyebrows. <laughs> like, that was, that was my sweet 16 wish. Um, before that, I had in 8th grade shaved my eyebrows. So, not off, just like in the middle. I got a hold of a razor because I was allowed to shave my armpits at that point. And I just shaved in between my eyebrows. And it was kind of, like, obvious at one point because there was this unevenness between my eyebrows. <laughs> but it's okay. We're all good now. Now I use tweezers. Sometimes leave a little bit of unibrow because, you know, it's me. But I do like to shape my eyebrows the way I want them to be. My Sweet 16 was also the first time that I got my makeup professionally done. Um, and it was so exciting. I... It was so nice. I felt such... I felt like a woman. I was like, wow. Like, I'm getting my makeup done. And I looked good. I was happy about it. It was also one of the first times that I was allowed to wear lashes. I grew up a dancer. I was brought up in musical theater. And the only other time I had worn lashes was in a production of Guys and Dolls, which was like a three... It was a weekend-long production. And that was when I wore lashes, and my mom was still, like, horrified by that. And understandably so, because they weren't the best lashes, but, you know, it, it still popped off. It still popped off. Um, but on my sweet scene, I was allowed to wear lashes, and to me, that is something that's super hyper-feminine, almost. And I love lashes. Like, for a long time, I didn't want to get into makeup too much. So I'd only wear makeup for dance or for special events. And even for special events, my mom would just, like, put powder on her face. And that's, like, it. <laughs> like, you know, she'd be like, that's what you're allowed to do. But at this point in my life, I do like wearing makeup. I like my little mascara. I like my little lip gloss. Um, for events, I do like wearing lashes. Um, and those are all things that I see as feminine. The way that I do them. And I really embrace that now. My younger self is probably like, Tara, why are you spending money on makeup and not books? I still spend money on books. <laughs> but to my younger self, makeup was a waste of time. To my younger self, makeup was anti-feminine. Like, it was, it was anti-feminist to my younger self to wear makeup. And I think my idea, my developing idea of feminism really affected the way that I view myself as a woman. Because I started aligning myself with the feminist movement very young, like maybe 10 or 11. That's when I first came across the whole... I mean, I've obviously, I've always been supportive of women's rights across the world. Because a lot of people don't realize that women in the United States are fighting for different rights than women in other countries or other areas. Every 
woman is going through something different in whatever area of the world you may be in. But when I was 10 or 11, I began to gain a, per- a perspective on this. And that's when I was like, oh yeah, like fem- the feminist movement is very important. That's when I became aware of world issues because I was reading like Teen Vogue or like BuzzFeed or like, uh, I wasn't really reading the New York Times at like 10 or 11, but those were my news sources. And I would read about these women who were either marching in the Women's March or um, fighting abroad for against child marriage or for women's right to divorce or for LGBT rights. And all of these feminist movements really struck my heart. But at a young age, obviously, I was very influenced. <laughs> I was very influenced by the media I consumed. And I did try to get a good, well-rounded uh, chunk of media, especially because I was in envi- an environment with a lot of different perspectives. Let me clarify, <laughs> the parents around me, and especially in middle school, the kids around me, when I moved schools, had the very different perceptions of the world. So when I was viewing these world issues and viewing feminism as a whole, I began to realize that, oh, well, I need to incorporate this into my everyday life. And in a way, I kind of mistook that to mean, okay, well, to be a feminist, I need to show that I don't have to shave and that I don't have to be feminine and that I don't have to do this or do that or do all these expectations of womanhood as I viewed them as a young child um and to me in the present day that is not the way that I view feminism at all I think feminism is the empowerment of femininity and it's also the tolerance of both femininity and masculinity in a shared space because you can't tell someone to just fit into some binary that you expect them to and not everything even fits into that binary as the woman I am today I think I've definitely embraced the whole idea of being feminine a lot more because I don't think that it's giving up something or that it's weak or that it's um, anti-feminist to be feminine. I think that's entirely stupid and I wish I could go back to my younger self and say it's okay to like these things and you're still this strong woman and I think it was because I was receiving feminist media from very patriarchal viewpoints, which is, I know it sounds contradictory, but for example, I would read something that said, okay, well, to be a feminist, you need to like support not shaving or whatever, or like, you know, and and that's not true. You just need to support women's choices. You don't need to support one or choice or another. And you definitely don't need to act masculine to prove that you're strong. There is strength in grace. There's strength in elegance. And there's strength in all of these feminine attributes that that some people don't assume are strong and a lot of people assume that strength is found in and all these masculine attributed things and I know it sucks that we have this like very obvious binary sometimes because sometimes things get washed out and um certain genders may not be able to appreciate uh, parts of the binary because like (laughs) they feel like it's closed off like some 
cisgender men like won't use the nice like facial razors that are marketed towards women because they think it's too girly and I think they're totally missing out like some of those facial razors are so nice for getting those little thin hairs or some women may be more inclined to choose like products that they think are marketed towards them because it works better for example like jeans without pockets oh my god women's jeans without pockets makes no sense i think it's a a scheme by the purse industry to literally sell us purses because why would we need purses if we had pockets but anyways buying men's jeans or like boys jeans in your size there's nothing wrong with that a lot of people see that though as very murky waters because they don't want to buy men's clothing or boys clothing because they don't think it's something a woman would do and I I obviously clearly disagree with that but I want to express that you should shop or get whatever you're comfortable with don't let the marketing towards men or women encourage you or discourage you from getting a certain product because a lot of times they're the same or sometimes Women's products are put at a higher price for shoppers to buy. Like, if you look up the pink tax, it's this idea that women's products are priced higher simply because (laughs) it's marketed towards women. That's a marketing tactic. I'm not a marketing major. I cannot tell you the specifics of that, but I've noticed it when shopping for razors or deodorant or lotion, and that's interesting. Um... One thing that I want to share about being a cisgender woman is that women work in monthly cycles. So there's this concept that everyone works in the 24-hour cycle of sleeping, waking up, and that there's periods in the day that you are more or less productive or that you're more or less awake. So that's like your circadian rhythm. But there's also this concept that women who are menstruating um, or people who are menstruating work in this monthly cycle because their body is going through ovulation, through menstruation, and through the hormonal changes of shedding your uterine lining, (laughs) rebuilding it, caring for pregnancy, because that's basically (laughs) what it is. Bodies work uh, differently, like when you're menstruating. So anyone who has a uterus and is menstruating has a little bit different of the hormonal changes than people without uteruses. And I thought that was super interesting thought. I I read it um, in a blog post and that it's stuck in my mind since then. Because really, if you think about it, it makes complete sense. Not only are there periods in the day where you're more or less productive, there are periods in the month. There are periods in the month where you are in more pain and you can't do as much physical activity or that you are more energized and more inclined to do physical activity. And I don't think that our 9-to-5 work life, school life is built to accommodate the menstrual cycle because it was really built by this patriarchal society where women were not being educated when the school system was founded and the 9-to-5 work system was founded around like the 1600s. It wasn't built for women and its society certainly wasn't built to accommodate for women because women didn't even have the right to vote in the United States until 1919. So almost a little over 100 years, barely a little over 100 years. 
So in a society that doesn't accommodate women, I think it's important to acknowledge that the menstrual cycle has a huge part in cisgender women's life. I would love to see a bit of a mindset change in employers uh, and school boards or even like state education boards about how curriculum and how work life is scheduled with the menstrual cycle. I think that would be really interesting because it's not something that I've ever seen happen. Like, for example, let's say in the middle school schedule, because that's like, uh, on average, a lot of women begin menstruating in middle school. So let's say cisgender middle school girls are menstruating and they have to go to gym class every Monday and Tuesday for every week. And they have to do strenuous physical activity. Let's just say they have to do like strenuous physical activity in gym class every week. That doesn't really work with some of their bodies and they might not really feel like they're working to their prime because they're going by this 24-hour cycle as opposed to this like monthly schedule. That's also something that I've been trying to think more about in my life like when I'm scheduling meetings or setting certain expectations for the month. As much as I would love to say my period does not affect my life at all, it definitely does. It definitely affects my ability to be productive because there are times where I get like super sick as my period starting, which isn't really normal, but it does happen and I get nauseous. But there are also times during my cycle that I'm super energized and that I feel really inclined to run and to do yoga and Pilates. And those are the times of my cycle where I want to schedule myself into those things. My journey with being a woman, a cisgender woman, has been so interesting but I'm really excited for this next year of my life and seeing where it takes me and what I can learn especially with like my health sciences classes and getting a better understanding of what it means to be in my body thank you for listening thank you for keeping an open mind and I will see you on the next one